0: Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that
1: shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with uh, guest host uh, Alina Sviderskaya, and hopefully I didn't butcher her. (laughs) You did well. I did a a good job. Yay. Uh, Kudos to me. So uh, I'd love if you kind of let us know a little bit about your background. So you come to us from a background of uh, accounting. And then now you're uh, in the coaching space. But I'd love if you elaborate a little bit more about what you're doing now. And then we'll go back in time and and see what you were like as a kid and, and get you back to present day. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing now.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much, Lucian, And I'm really, really happy to be here and share my experience. Hopefully, it, it can help somebody to inspire. So right now, I am focusing on leadership. So I'm a coach focusing on leadership. And I work with organizations. And my main focus is helping them turn their managers into people leaders, really confident, somebody who inspires and empowers their team and actually who's somebody who's engaged in what they do, know what they do and get results. So this is kind of my focus right now. Like you mentioned, uh, my background comes from finance and accounting. My my journey was nothing but linear. <laughs> it's like it was really up and down and it's still going on. But I started with um, going to psychology degree, getting a psychology degree, because I always wanted to be a psychologist, always my dream was to be a therapist. I read one book when I was 13. And that was it. I knew what I wanted to do. I actually graduated. It was, I actually don't know the name of it. I I remember it was yellow. (laughs) (laughs) My memory is really hazy on that, but it was about social psychology and how we interact with each other. And it was, it was like somebody opened the doors to this whole new world saying, Hey, we can understand why we do things. And for me, it was so fascinating. It was no turning back. I wanted to be a therapist. There was something about kind of helping people navigate this fascinating world that really appealed to me. So I went to McGill University and I graduated from psychology to the um, PhD in, in psychology and becoming a therapist. I completely switched to accounting and finance. And that's where my journey continued for the next 11 years. And eventually I kind of found my way back to the coaching. So that's that's very brief overview.
1: <laughs> sure, and would and love to dive a little bit more into part of that journey. So if you can kind of uh, turn back the clock and go back in time. So so what was Alina like as a kid? Uh, what was she like kind of growing up? Um, like some of the, the influences uh, that, that kind of started her off? Like what can you remember? Maybe some of the, the earliest, most interesting, positive memory that you have?
0: Oh my god, there's so, so many. And a lot of them actually evolve around uh, revolve around books I was a reader I started reading really really early on actually my my grandma taught me how to read way before I went to school because I was so I was annoying her to asking her to read me more and more and more books every day so she said, you know what maybe I can just teach her how to read and so she can she can kind of do it on her own And and I and from then on I just read and read and read and there was something every book was kind of a almost like a a travel experience for me right i was able to to put myself in the shoes of different people see different places different situations and i think it really shaped me as a person because it allowed me to again get a glimpse of what it's like to be in someone's shoes so it helped me with compassion it helped me with being sensitive to other people's situations and that that probably also contributed to my desire to be a therapist and and eventually a coach as well i was also somebody sorry go ahead
1: no, I was going to say, what were some of those memorable books? Because actually, um, in, in one of my practices, uh, empathy is, is kind of a very big thing. And you kind of touched on it, where uh, actually, in order to practice empathy, you can actually read rich fiction, right? Because yes. you, exactly you said, you are put into someone else's shoes. And by doing that, you become more empathetic. So I think it's that. But what were some of those memorable books that uh, folks might be able to pick up and say, well, have these kind of shaped you or changed you so that uh, that, that might inspire some as well?
0: There are there's so, so, so many. So one of the one of the books that kind of stand out to me when I was a kid was um, short stories about animals by Ernst Seton Thompson. Actually, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this correctly because I remember it from like Russian translation, but but it was it was short, short books about animals and it showed Showed the world from a completely different perspective, and again, developed that compassion towards kind of the situations and, and the circle of life and all of this. And I, I read a lot of a, a lot of um, de- detective stories, okay. kind of trying to figure out what happens and again the motives and and how things appear and and that they may not appear the same way. I read a lot about I read a lot of classic books as well, like Leo Tol- Tolstoy. Anna Karenin okay. loved it. Crime and Punishment. It was. Everybody found it so gloomy, but I found it fascinating, again, to see how somebody is put in a certain situation and how the the thoughts change, the behavior change, and somebody who would never thought of themselves being in this position and and committing a crime all of a sudden find themselves in it. And so that that kind of helped me try on different situations and, and put my judgment aside.
1: So, sounds good. So it sounds like you're a bit of a, a bookworm. You were kind of immersed in uh, kind of different sorts of literature and things like All that. Sorts.
0: <laughs> and, and All sorts. All ha- sorts. Ha-
1: what was, what was kind of the influence in um, in, in high school? Because the, the, the thoughts in high school is eventually you have to go to university, college and get a degree and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. how did uh, that love of books, love of fiction, uh, th- did that change or was there uh, a different sort of fascination with the psychology you mentioned a little bit? So how, mm-hmm. how does that uh, arc continue on?
0: Yeah, so at first I, I found myself really at a crossroads. I didn't know... I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew I, want, I, I I wanted a career that helped that would allow me to talk to people because that's the part that I enjoyed, because I found, again, every person taught me something about something. <laughs> and it was always fascinating. But but that book in psychology just, said, just showed me that there's a whole new world that I wanted to explore. And I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but I knew it was going to be a psychology. And then eventually, I think my, you know, reading all those books and becoming I naturally kind of became somebody who people confided in because I was able to just listen with fascination and curiosity instead of judgment so people felt safe and I've noticed that and so people would come to me and and kind of pour their hearts out and just for the sake of listening and being heard and and valued and I said oh my god I can just My job can be sitting and listening to people. (laughs) And so what better way to do that is becoming a therapist. And that's kind of, that's what shaped my decision about where to go as, um, you know, as a graduate of high school.
1: And and were there any kind of uh, constraints or other people's opinions, like oftentimes uh, mom and dad, they want a lot of folks to be doctors and lawyers, (laughs) accountants and engineers. Those are kind of the typical thing. Uh, Was that there or was there a freedom and flexibility to say, you know what, I want to be a psychologist. I want to listen to people's problems and that's what I'm going to do. Was there any of that?
0: yeah so so both my parents are engineers okay so as as you're saying that so both my parents engineers but you know what I was really really lucky in the sense that nobody pushed me anywhere I never looking back at my childhood I never felt pressured to go into any specific direction but what I do remember though that going to university was kind of not an it it was non-negotiable it's almost like It was natural to assume it was an assumption nobody said no you have to go to university but because both my parents were engineers it almost became leading by example and for me in my mind looking back i said it never i never questioned that i whether i should or should not go to university now there are so many different ways to do this but back then to me was i have to go to university but what i'm going to do is up to me
1: okay that's, yeah, and that's so so true. Where right now there's a lot more options, but mm-hmm. I mean, back in the day, it's uh, like education, university was the way uh, up and out to have a successful career. And uh, I think I'm probably in the same shoes where I never questioned it. It's like I always assumed I'd go to university. Now there's colleges, boot camps, there's also gap years that's, and all sorts of different.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And it's, it's, but it, but you know, as we're talking, it just made me realize just how much that upbringing and my family influenced me in that regard, because maybe if I would be part of the family where nobody went to university, right. That would be a very different thought process and, and a very different decision-making. So that was university would be something like maybe I'm more aspirational or, or an optional choice. Right. But it just, just shows how that, that environment influences us.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a, a nature and a nurture component, uh, whatever oh. side of the argument you, you go on. So, so now you've kind of settled in, uh, you, you have this idea of, of psychology there. So, so you mm-hmm. apply to schools, you, you get into a couple of them, and then you get into some of your courses. And, and then what happens? What's, what's kind of the transition? You mentioned a, a stint in, in accounting. <laughs> so how does the transition from psychology to accounting happen?
0: So, so actually, so I was, um, I got pregnant at the last, last year of university, I got pregnant with twins, completely unexpected, was completely shocked by it. And that just all of a sudden, so that natural progression to the seven year PhD program that seemed so obvious and just like it's right there became questionable well now how can I really combine having two little kids at home and my family is back in Russia at this point I moved to Canada so I actually applied to university in Canada so I'm so far away from everybody now it's a completely a new new world and I have to make decisions that seem basic but not basic anymore and then I had somebody who was going to uh, accounting program and they said oh you know what there's it's it's a great program and the job is guaranteed so now my practical brain said okay now my focus is shifting now i need to take care of my family so my dreams are now becoming kind of i'm putting them on the shelf going into completely new direction so that's how i ended up in accounting and became a chartered public accountant some a degree and a position a title i never imagined myself having but here i was
1: and if you don't mind sharing a little bit about kind of that that uh, process, because, yeah, having uh, like a surprise, <laughs> like <that laughs> most, yeah. you can be quite, quite challenging. Could, can you uh, kind of go back in, in time and, and let us know a little bit about like what were kind of the first e- emotions and thoughts that were happening? And like, how did you how did you wrestle with them and, and deal with them? Because at one side you have like this, this PhD, I know exactly what I want to do. And then, oh surprise we have we have we have twins <laughs> very very uh important blessings that, that you received yes. uh, but but at the end of the day, then it goes to that practical so can you walk us through a little bit more on uh some of the the, the decision making processes along there or what was was challenging about it how you overcame it uh, and at mm-hmm. that time i are like to share
0: yeah so to, I'll be very honest the first two weeks are, are probably a blur <laughs> kind of just like okay what is what is going on what's happening what do I do now so I had the time to kind of just just sit with that with all of the emotions and being overwhelmed and kind of just trying to picture my life because all of a sudden everything that I knew was certain became a fog so now all of a sudden like the fog (laughs) kind of came down and I couldn't navigate the next hundred meters i then the next few steps all of a sudden became unclear so I had to sit with this for a while and trying to and 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 allowing all of this to settle to kind of the, the 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 mind settling into new situation and trying to see what would be the best for the both worlds and I, I started exploring different things and, and talking to different people and saying okay now that the seven year, journey that I that I could have is no longer I don't have that runway anymore I needed I need to shorten it so what what else what else am I strong at what else can be useful to me in the future that I would be interesting and interested in and and one of my friends who was and and doing Bachelor of Commerce at the at the time said you know what in business there is uh there is a human side to this there is marketing there is all sorts of different um business sides I started reaching out to my friends, to to all, also talking to professors, trying to understand what this program was about and how I can use my strength and how I can bring something to the program and how the program can help me also develop and grow. And it seemed like a really good and interesting program at the time. So I said, you know what, whether I'm going to be going to therapy, maybe I'm going to explore industrial psychology later on. So it kind of also allowed me to use my strength and, 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 still, and still focus on the human aspect of, of that. And then once I started doing the, the, the bachelor of commerce program that's that led me to accounting because that was that honestly was just me putting on my practical head and saying I need to get I need to make sure that I will be able to get a job a good job that will allow me to provide for my kids and that's how I moved into accounting and from then on the next 10 11 years was finance and accounting in different yeah in different positions.
1: Yeah, I'd love if you shared a little bit more about that kind of the exploration path. So you've kind of said you went down that path of of commerce, of business. Your friend kind Mm -hmm. of turned you on, hey, there's all these human elements, the marketing side, the psychology or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. organizational design and all that. Uh, And then like through accounting. So you you finally said, Got hit by the practicality bat or whatever it is. And so, you know what, all yes. that stuff is is great, uh, but I, I need to um, kind of kind of settle down in something more practical. So what was what was that decision process, or how, how did you go through uh, like deciding you know what I'm gonna park my my hopes and dreams and aspirations and say you know what I'll do accounting. Like how how did you wrestle with that uh, argument with yourself or other people uh, around you.
0: Yeah, it was, it was, you know what, it it was, I think it was one moment that I remember that probably switched me to the accounting path. So I had a really, a really fantastic professor. And it's because it's part of Bachelor of Commerce, I had to do accounting. So it wasn't just, it wasn't my primary focus at the time, but it was one of the courses and I was taking it. And I remember, you know, covering things like amortization and all of this, and it just didn't, like logically just didn't fit in my brain. And so I was the person who would stay after class and talking to the professor saying you know what i'd like to understand this i'm not getting this i'm not getting this and i would i would stay and i try to understand and i and i remember one day him telling me he said you know what i think you would be great in becoming a chartered public accountant because you have that well-rounded experience of human side and and business side and you have this curious mind where you try to understand he said right. do you know how few people actually stay and ask questions right. they just kind of just, just just you know learn the material pass the exams they forget but you're actually trying to understand and i think it's a great quality for somebody who's doing auditing and consulting in accounting, because you're trying to really understand the situation. You're talking to somebody, you're asking questions. And he said, I often see this missing in students, Mm. you know, that deep exploration and really deep understanding of the subject. And he said, you have that quality. And I think you would be great at it and I could recommend you for the program. And so that's the moment. And that was a challenge to me. That was no longer, Hey, I'm just doing it for the check mark. All of a sudden, I think I felt both, I felt proud of myself saying, okay, you know what? Me admitting that I don't understand something, but then trying to learn it is a great thing. So he helped me see that and reinforce that behavior. And it actually probably shaped a lot of my future behavior and decisions as well. So that moment is what led me to start thinking about, maybe, you know what? Maybe accounting is the right place for somebody like me and I can contribute. So probably that was that moment.
1: Right. So sometimes it's just uh, amounts to one moment, one person of influence yes. in the right place at the right time can, can change uh, your trajectory uh, completely. So that, that's just 100 an percent. And, <laughs> and then you said that you uh, had had a good career in accounting. So tell us a little bit about that. How was the process to land that first job? Was it everything that you expected that professor had had kind of promised and dreamed? Is that exactly what what uh, what what he said or, or were there differences along the way?
0: So, Definitely. So he was it was very challenging. It was a very challenging uh, career, a very challenging profession in the sense that it constantly pushed me to learn more and to understand more. And it was always and in the first few years I worked in an audit firm okay. and the audit firm, the, the way I landed that job was part of the university recruitment process. So in accounting the companies and the firms come in and they present themselves and then you build connections, you build networking, and then you apply. And then kind of that's, it was, it was done at the university level. Mm-hmm. And I chose the most challenges So I I was in, in Ernst, I, I got a job at Ernst & Young, which was the, one of the top, top accounting firms, because I said, I want to go for the best. I want to go for the most challenging. I, that's the drive, the ambition. So two weeks after I joined, so the two weeks, that was the two weeks with the training, which was really fun. I got to bond with my fellow colleagues who were studying with me. Two weeks after I realized this is not the career yeah. for me. Okay. <laughs> so the moment the training was over, I'm like, okay, no, no, this is not a career for me. Loved, I loved the people and I love their drive, but it was very clear that you could see right away the difference between people who were there because they really wanted to be there Right. were people who made that decision for other reasons. And it was so clear to me, just looking at people who really enjoyed and were engaged in their work and people who were doing it that because it was their job. And I realized very, very early on that it's just the whole audit side was against my personality. I wanted to work together with people and not looking for mistakes and not telling them what they did wrong. So it was a really, really powerful experience. I learned so much through my audit um, and accounting days. I have a great appreciation for numbers that a lot of coaches don't have. So I have that business side of things. So I think it's a well-rounded experience. And through my career, I, I got to work from the audit i moved on into the industry and i worked in financial analysis i got to see again business side and financial statements and all of this and build fantastic fantastic connection and and relationship with people
1: yeah i think that uh is similar to, to my journey but I, I think i'm a little bit slower than you because it took me a couple months <laughs> to figure that out not just two weeks uh but yeah i, I was for <laughs> science i, I joined uh, deloitte so one of the other ones in the consulting. there you go <laughs> and uh for, for, for me it was like yeah this is okay, this is kind of what I wanted, but I don't really want to keep doing this for, forever. And then I eventually moved on and, and, and found something else as, as well. And I moved more into the business side instead of the technology mm-hmm. side. But it echoes a lot of the same thing. So um, walk us through a little bit about that decision. So, so two weeks after, you already know that this isn't for you. Uh, and then it takes you a little while for you to actually transition to, to something else. So, so what is that time like? and uh, What's going on in your head as you're trying to figure out, okay, what do I do now? <laughs>
0: Yeah, so that was, that, was, that was probably the most challenging part because on one, on one hand, I have, um, I have my kids at home. So that's my motivation to actually mm-hmm. um, continue doing this. And the first two years in audit is, is going to school three times a week from six to nine, doing the CPA programs, the Chartered Public Accountant Program, right. working full time and then coming back home and having kids. So all of this is very, very stressful and challenging is trying to balance all of this. It's, I mean, it's challenging without having kids, but when you have kids and yeah. that is a challenge, but it also something that, that kept me going. That was, a, it was a very clear reason why I'm staying and why I'm doing this. So it kept me there, but I knew that once I get my CP, I knew I was going and I was changing my, my profession, but I didn't. I didn't have the courage to change completely at that time because imposter syndrome and hey, I I just invested so much time getting the CPA, getting uh, getting my degree and getting that experience. So starting over right now with little kids, no, it's out of the question. So I I started transitioning very slowly, kind of just doing this little course corrections, just tiny little bit. So from big firm, I went to a smaller firm. <laughs> so that was a little bit more flexible. It just it was a little bit you know, the types of clients were different, type of people were different. It was a little bit less rigid. So I shifted just a little bit. Then I shifted a little bit more and I went to an industry, a pharmaceutical company, where again, it was less accounting, more finance, more people, more training. So I did little shifts because I didn't have the courage to just say no. And in four years of doing the you know work in industry and in finance, I remember getting an opportunity that was fantastic. So we had a program where people from finance could go to Africa and share their business experience with non-for-profit organizations and kind of just help them in finance because non-for-profits are fantastic because they they have the the best interest in, in, in the heart and they want to do and they care about people. But the business side, the business skills are often lacking. So it's about sharing that and bringing them to a different level with the finance skills. And I apply and I went to this life-changing experience, understanding that I missed so much that giving and helping people. So when I came back, I knew with certainty that I had to do something about it. And what I started doing is I took classes i started doing coaching courses coaching program in parallel with my finance career so that kind of became again another little step another little course correction into the right right decision and then an opportunity came to move to toronto i was in montreal at that time so when i moved to toronto that was my moment my kids were at this point 14 years old and i said you know what this is a perfect moment i'm not quitting my job i'm starting from fresh start this is an opportunity and that's where i did my switch finally
1: can you walk us through kind of that uh where you got the confidence right so so you knew that you uh were were transitioning you did uh, had this life-changing experience you had uh, a coaching program you were dabbling on the side
0: you Mm -hmm. had
1: uh, a transition from from montreal to toronto so all these changes and things happening and then you kind of say well I might as well add one more change into the mix is is that kind of the thought process or was there something else in play
0: so what happened was it was a it it wasn't just one moment in time it was slowly kind of growing and one of the things that I have noticed about myself a while back is that when people would ask me what do you do I felt this little like somebody punched me in the gut I didn't want people to ask me what what I was doing it wasn't because I was embarrassed of, of what I was doing but it just felt that it was a huge misalignment between me and and the work that I was doing. So it sounded like my gut was telling me, you're in the wrong place. And I remember there were so many nights when I would go to bed and thinking, I'm going to regret this, you know, like this, you know, when you read articles of like, what people regret when, you know, just the moment before they die, what they're talking about. And I knew, I knew if I didn't change that, if I didn't really find something that would be in a good alignment with myself, that I, I would regret it. And I think that would, that's what kept telling me, you have to do something about it. You have to do something about it. But it actually took me a while to figure out what is it that I wanted to do. It wasn't as easy as saying, oh, I want to be a therapist because I didn't want to be a therapist anymore. But right. I realized through my careers, through my talking to people, I realized My strength was not in taking somebody who's not motivated at all, somebody who's feeling really, really down and bringing them to the average level. My strength was to say, to take somebody who was average and helping them create some big plans and goals and move really, really high up. So taking somebody who is ordinary and making them extraordinary. And that's what kind of was brewing and was was evolving in inside and i was realizing i need to be able to do this and and center my work around that and that's how slowly 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 i came to coaching and then because because of through my work i saw the impact of bad leadership i saw it i was working with different people and then some made me dread um coming to work monday morning. Even though the, the, the company was great, but having that manager said, I just don't want to face this again. I just, it, it creates a sense of stress when there shouldn't be any stress. It just, you know, it just creates this, this feeling that I didn't want to have. And then there's some managers that made me believe in myself and take risky steps that led me somewhere really, really amazing. So I wanted to help create more managers that are life-changing in a very, very positive way. Yeah, so I that, think I um,
1: I heard a, a research study that uh, people tend to get uh, promoted into leadership positions uh, around the age of 36, I think was the average or was the mean mm-hmm. uh, was median, I believe it was, uh, but people get taught on how to become a manager and leader at 40. So there's like a four-year gap <laughs> if, if, if they do. It, if that,
0: they do. <laughs> that,
1: that, that's fair because some people don't even get that because, ah, oh, you've already been doing it for five years. We don't need to teach you. And then you guys kind of uh, continue on. So there is that discrepancy. And uh, hopefully more and more of these kind of leadership skills uh, happen even earlier. And um, I think that, that's definitely needed because, uh, as you mentioned, I, I think there's a quote that um, people don't leave jobs, they leave managers or bosses. right? Absolutely. And it's, it's oftentimes that's the case where if the job's great, but your boss is horrible, that's a really uh, tough situation. But if uh, your boss is amazing and the job's uh, not that great, most people can can deal with that and actually Absolutely. don't mind that a, as, as much. Um, so, yeah. so talk to us a little bit about kind of that journey of, of finding where you are right now. And I, I think you're still on that journey to, to, to figure out exactly <laughs> <where>. <laughs> Uh, but for those who are uh, thinking of kind of changing things and uh, how, how do you find that path and, and what were those things that you were thinking about in order to find kind of the the, the fact that you want to help um, leaders or, or folks that kind of these average leaders become better leaders? What was that journey like?
0: So, yeah, and, and so that journey actually was... Um... I, I remember last year of um, the last year that I was with my with the company in the corporate world. I remember being given an opportunity to lead somebody as a very temporary assignment because my, my boss was going on maternity leave at the time. So was, I was given this opportunity and I was so excited. I said, oh my God, like I love psychology. I do coaching. I mean, yay, let's do this. And I failed miserably, miserably. Wow. I remember. Uh, realizing oh my god just because I was so good at my job and I understood the processes just because I know psychology just because I know all of this does not make me a better reader. it really Mm -hmm. really doesn't so I, I felt I had the best intentions I wanted to help I wanted to evolve I wanted to to elevate somebody I just failed miserably and I knew this and I knew that there has to be that there is something missing that I needed some very practical skills on how to become a better leader. And so that's what made me realize that so many people, and I saw this in front of my eyes, so many people are being promoted to leadership because they're great performers. It makes sense, right? right? So there is that progression of, okay, you've been with the company for five years, 10 years or whatever it is, or you're a star performer. So now the next logical step is we're gonna make you a manager. So we'll give you a team and now you're going to manage very few companies now more and more. But but I'm thinking 10 years ago, 15 years ago, not many people actually did have a formal uh, leadership training. It's because it was assumed because, you know, your job. So now you will just have to lead people who do the job you used to do. It makes sense. And what people started doing is saying, okay, I'm still doing the work that I was doing. And now I'm leading people. So it kind of became an add on. It's like an additional task whereas leadership to be effective, it's a complete shift. It's a different type of role, which requires different, different characteristics, different skills, different perceptions and, and mindset. And so that's having failed miserably. It, it was, it was painful. My ego was bruised. Oh my God. And I just felt terrible. And I realized, oh my God, I, there is a gap. So it's, Feeling that I realized many, many, many people are in this position. So, how can I just take my my drive to help people, my coaching skills, my psychology knowledge, and understanding also of a a business and corporate world? And how can I help? So, now all of the stars kind of came aligned, and that was my opportunity to actually use my skills to help leaders. And when I moved to Toronto, I joined the Achievement Center, and the Achievement Center already had a really good de- developed leadership program. So that's how I started um, going to organizations and, and and delivering that program.
1: Sounds good. So so thanks for for sharing the journey along mm-hmm. the way. And there's probably a lot of uh, more deep dives that we could do in the future. But if you were to give <laughs> yourself um, some some swike, the stuff I wish I knew earlier mm-hmm. at different points mm-hmm. in your time, maybe the most uh, um, kind of pivotal ones along the way like what are those moments and, and what might you tell yourself if you could kind of slip yourself a little post-it note or like a voice memo <laughs> or like a quick, quick uh, video to them well, what might you share with uh, your, yourself uh, when you were younger
0: Absolutely. So there's actually a few and like like we were talking that the journey was nonlinear and it's still going on and there are ups <laughs> and downs, but there's a lot, a lot of learning along the way. And I'm really grateful for that. And one of the probably one of the biggest things for me is realizing that most of the barriers and, and challenges and blocks actually come from within, not from outside, but from within ourselves. Right. So the biggest, biggest barriers. I think one of the life changing and pivotal moments for me personally was, When one year into my business, I was just not sure of myself. i was like, I I have no idea what I'm doing. I have the best intentions. I know I have what it takes on paper. Logically, theoretically, I know it's just not, not working the way I was hoping. And I was ready to give up. And somebody recommended me a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And I read it. I remember going on vacation. And I said, I'm going to read this book and I'm going to make a decision because I was at the crossroads saying, okay, I'm going to go back to corporate world or I'm going to continue with my business. I read the book and I actually finished it the, the, just the day before we went on vacation. And I remember having, I, I was running every day when I was away. And I remember the moment when I made that decision, realizing that the mindset it is it is within me and I mm-hmm. it's up to me to change things inside and not waiting for things outside. And there is freedom in that. For the longest, longest time, I thought just because I learned and I read books and I was this lifelong learner, that I had growth mindset. This was the assumption that I had about myself. The, the really eye-opening experience was after reading the book, I realized I didn't. That in many, many, many areas of my life, I had fixed mindset. And I thought that, you know, I am talented in some areas, not so talented in others. And that's the reality. I couldn't really change that realizing that was a life-changing decision and that that moment as I was running I made this decision that I'm not going to give up until I succeed and that everything that I need is within me and it's up to me to make those decisions so for anybody who is struggling with that mindset by Carol Dweck is really can be a, a pivotal book and I think some of the other things are also not being bogged down by the how there's so many times mm. I have given up on things just because I didn't know how to do this. I would say, like, well, you know, I, I don't know because I don't see the how, I don't see a clear path, then it means I can't do it. But instead, we need to focus on the what. What is it that we want? What is that after picture right. look like? How we want to feel after and letting us kind of, <laughs> you know, be with this, stay with that, because every time I had the situation where I knew what I wanted, but I didn't know how, the how would magically appear. And there are infinite, there's infinite number of ways that the how can happen. And some of this we have no (laughs) idea about, right? And sometimes we meet somebody kind of shares an idea or shares a contact or shares some information that we were not aware of, right? Because there's so many things that we don't know. So not being bogged down by the how and instead focusing on what is the after picture you would like to have, how you want to feel, how you want to contribute, how would you like to to live your life? And then letting the how come to you. I think that was really important. And I think also surrounding myself with with the right people time our time and attention is really the most valuable asset that we have so surrounding ourselves with people who support us who who learn who, who strive for better things for grander things it really is a life-changing thing
1: yeah, I think all those are, are, are definitely uh, thoughts that resonate with me. So I remember uh, reading uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck. And I was like, oh yeah, that was definitely me. <laughs> I was so such a fixed mindset before. And uh, I actually share with, with a, a lot of my clients that I say, uh, your your problem is six inches big. The problem is those six inches are between your ears. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, once you get past a lot of those limiting beliefs, that the mindset, the growth mindset, uh, and there's so many layers to that that it takes a while to unpack. But uh, once you do, then there's a lot of things you can do. And then on, on the, the how part, um, like my simple approach is the what, why, how, right? So what do you want, first of all? Because a lot of people aren't even clear in terms of what they want. And uh, really? if you follow like Simon Sinek, and, and he talks about like start with why, when you have that clear why then there's a lot of purpose behind it and it drives and then once you have those two the how usually figures itself out pretty quickly <laughs> as mm. you said there's there's infinite number of ways to do that and uh, i love what you said about surrounding yourself with uh, people because uh, i'm reminded of that that jim Rohn quote where you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with you so really if they're all positive and they're achieving their goals and doing amazing things well guess what you're gonna do but if all they're all just uh binging on netflix and playing video games and whatever Uh, guess what your future is going to look like. So I I definitely echo a lot of those sentiments. And uh, so Lena, if if folks wanted to connect with you and and learn a little bit more, uh, where could they find you? And then uh, hopefully we'll have you back and do a little bit of deep dives into any one of these uh, various topics that we had. Uh, But what can, where can folks reach out? And then what are some of the uh, future aspirations that we might look forward to seeing from you in the future?
0: Yeah, well, so in terms of reaching out, um, probably the easiest way to connect with me is through LinkedIn at Alina yeah. Svidarskaya. That's where I hang out the most. <laughs> also, I have a website. It's alinasvidarskaya.com. And in terms of future um, aspirations, there's a few things going on. Again, the, the journey is not over. This the constant yeah. self-learning aspect is, is, is really, it's happening. It's, I see progress every day. So I'm really curious to see where that's going to go. I'm in the process of writing a book that will help build that basic leadership skills for people who are starting out and people who have been there for a while dealing with imposter syndrome and and carrying all of this inside thinking they're only ones and they're not. And so it's kind of having that basic foundation, small little habits that can really make a big difference. And uh, yeah, continuing working with companies that are willing and, and excited to invest in their leaders. That are really the the pivotal blocks of of the the results and, and the culture, of course.
1: Sounds amazing. So thanks again for sharing your story and and your your wisdom, your insights, your the swipe, the stuff uh, you wish you knew earlier. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're we're looking forward to having you you back for future episodes and talk a little bit more about things like leadership, growth, even uh, even parenthood. <laughs> Those. Yes. <laughs> well yes. Too.
0: Yes. That's that's a whole series of podcasts on this. <laughs>
1: For, for sure. Last <laughs> parting words that you'd want to leave our audience with?
0: Honestly, it's just, I think at the, at the core of all of this is patience. Patience, patience with yourself, patience with the journey you're on, whatever you're, you're striving to do, just being patient. We're always underestimate how long something will take us because we're excited. We're thinking, you know, starting a business, trying to lose weight, start trying to learn how to play piano, all of this. When we're excited, it seems like, well, you know what? It's going to happen fast. It's going to be easy. And then the excitement starts to wear off a little bit. It doesn't mean that the why is not there. It doesn't mean that our intentions and the goals are disappeared. So it's being patient with yourself and being patient with that journey that you have to take and accepting where you are right now and taking baby steps. Honestly, baby steps sometimes are more valuable and more impactful than huge goals that we don't follow up on. So I think just patience. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. It was so exciting.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. So uh, on that note, we'll, we'll end off the podcast and hopefully we'll have you back for your future episode. Thanks a lot, Alina. Look forward to it. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms, and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, bye.